Well, hello everyone. Welcome to Summit Church Fenton Online. I'm so glad you joined me today. I look forward to sharing the Word of God with you. Over the past many weeks, I've been conducting a series on the subject of prayer, and we've been looking at the uh, seven different kinds of prayer, and uh, we've already covered in the past sessions uh, the prayer of faith, the prayer of commitment, the prayer of agreement, which would also encompass united or corporate prayer, and the prayer of petition, where you're praying for yourself. Now, if you missed any of those sessions, I'd like to invite you to, to go back into the archives and catch up on anything that you missed. I think it would be very helpful to you. Uh, we have three uh, types of prayer, or kinds of prayer yet to go that we're, we're going to cover in this series. And then after that, we'll just uh, move on with prayer, maybe say some other things about prayer as the Spirit of God would lead. We'll just see how, how it goes at you know, at that time once we get there. But we have three types or kinds of prayer yet to cover. Uh, the prayer of intercession, which is you pray for others. That's what we're going to look at today. And then after that, we'll have the prayer of thanksgiving, which is also called the prayer of worship. And then uh, and then we'll conclude uh, at least this part of the series on on these seven kinds of prayer with praying in the spirit or praying in other tongues. And in a couple of weeks down the road, I'll take a whole session and we'll talk about, about what it means to pray in the spirit. So anyway, with that being said, I'll, I'll do no review other than that this time. Again, if you've missed any of the previous sessions, they're all for free right there for you in our archives. Okay. Now, um, so today we're going to talk, as I said, about uh, the prayer of intercession, and that's when you pray for others, when you pray for others. And um, and, and I want to say this, uh, as, as you probably know, such a terrible, terrible thing has taken place in Israel, and uh, it's, just, it's just tragic what's, what's happened over there. And um, uh, I, I, I would... Uh, direct your attention uh, to Psalm 122, verse 6. In that verse, the Bible says that we should pray for the peace of Jerusalem. And uh, that would certainly uh, fall under the category of intercessory prayer because intercessory prayer has to do with praying for others. Uh, So we definitely need to be praying for the peace of Jerusalem. Okay, and so I would want to encourage you to do that, and uh, it's very necessary uh, that, that we do that, and particularly at this at this time, and and pray for the the Jewish people uh, in Israel that have suffered such uh, 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 suffered so in the last in the last uh, several days, and um, and uh, don't ever forget. The Jews are God's chosen people, and uh, what uh, what 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 an enemy does to the Jews, God will do to them. And so, um, you know, it goes all the way back to Abraham. God said that whoever blessed Abraham, God would bless, and whoever cursed Abraham, God would curse. And the Jews are descendants of Abraham. And uh, what what a lot of Christians don't realize, if you read the I believe it's the second chapter of the book of Romans that when a when a, a person uh, you know comes to Christ uh, and receives Jesus as their Savior, 
they become a spiritual Jew. Okay, absolutely. So the Jews are God's chosen people. So uh, let, let's keep them in our prayers and pray for the peace of Jerusalem, which of course would be praying for others, intercessory prayer. So let's talk about the subject of, of, of intercession and intercessory prayer. Uh, you know, the Apostle Paul, and, and there's so many different places I could go with this subject from the Bible, but we're just doing our best to be led by the Spirit of God. So uh, we, we <laughs> and by the way, this is not an exhaustive uh, series on prayer. You know, I'm, I'm covering things as I feel the Spirit of God is leading me and it's not exhaustive in that we won't, even when I'm done with this series, several weeks down the road, we won't have covered and said everything there is to say about prayer. It's a vast subject, but uh, uh, but we're just, like I said, doing our best to be led and give you some information from the Word of God about prayer that I think will help you. Uh, but, but the Apostle Paul, uh, we'll use him, God used him to write over half of the New Testament and uh, he uh, very often interceded, or you know, he, he interceded for others. He prayed for others. You can see this in Romans chapter one and verse nine. He said, "For as he spoke to the church in Rome, he said, for God is my witness, whom I serve with my whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of His Son." That's, that's Jesus. He's talking about that without ceasing, I make mention of you always in my prayers. See, he was praying for the church, the, the believers there in Jerusalem. And so that's, he's praying for someone else, for others. So that's intercessory prayer. You can look at Second Timothy chapter 1, verse 3. And uh, he says to this uh, uh, pastor, young, young pastor Timothy, he said, I thank God. Uh, whom I serve with a pure conscience, uh, as my forefathers did, as without ceasing, as without ceasing. See, Paul was a person of prayer. He was always in an attitude of prayer. Uh, you know, the Bible says to pray without ceasing. Um, you know, I, I don't think that what the Bible means by that is that we should always be down, bent down on our knees with our hands, you know, uh, uh, clasped together like that with our head bowed in our prayer closet. I mean, we can't live. I mean, if we're going to pray without ceasing, we have to be in the prayer closet 24 seven, you know, you know what I mean? But I think what the Bible talks about uh, praying without ceasing, it, it, I believe what it's making reference to is that we should always be in an attitude of prayer. We should always uh, have an attitude of prayer about us. And uh, he said that without ceasing, speaking to Timothy, I remember you in my prayers night and day, night and day. So he had an attitude of prayer about him and we should always uh, have an attitude of prayer about us that we're in communion with, with the heavenly father. You, you understand? But the apostle Paul uh, often prayed for others. So he, he was what we would call an intercessory prayer. You know, you pray for others, you're, you're an intercessory prayer. Now I will say this, and I'll get to this, uh, say a little more about it when I get to uh, praying in the spirit, but there are people who are actually have a, have a special assignment from God, or a, we could even call it a calling upon their life to be intercessory prayers. And, uh, and that, that is a very uh, valid ministry as I've observed it over many decades of time that there are people that God uses uh, 
Now, we all, every Christian ought to be a person of prayer, and we all certainly ought to be praying for others and, and, and be, you know, intercede for others in prayer. We all, every Christian ought to do that. But there are people that God uses, especially, I guess I could say it that way, to, to, uh, in, in a, a ministry, it's almost a ministry, as I've observed it, of intercession that they, that, that they're, they're called to pray. Uh, I, I don't know how else to say it. They have, they have like a, a special assignment or a calling or, or from God and he uses certain people. I mean, again, we all as Christians ought to be in our intercessory prayers, pray for others, but there are people that God uses. I don't know, I guess I could say it on a, on a greater level or a higher level or, uh, more so along the lines of, of praying for, for others. And that gets over into praying in the spirit. So we'll say more about that in, in, a, in, in several weeks down the road. But, uh, but we all ought to be praying for others and remembering others in our prayers, just as the apostle Paul did. Now, if you look at the book of Ephesians chapter one, uh, I'm going to read these next few verses out of the King James version. I usually use the new King James, but I like the way that, uh, these verses read in the King James version. And, uh, and, and, and actually, you know, if you're serious about prayer at all, and you should be, this is something, if you're, if you're Christian, if you're not a Christian, you ought to become one, repent of your sins, receive Jesus as your savior and serve him. But, uh, every Christian ought to be aware of this because see, I've had people ask me over the years, you know, they, they've said, well, what, what pastor Terry, what should we be praying about or what should we be praying for when we pray for others how should we pray that's probably the way i'd like to frame that question they've come to me and they they've said you know when we pray for others you know what how should we pray well this is an excellent guideline here uh that 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 every christian should know about uh, intercessory prayer and in ephesians the first chapter the apostle paul Writing to the church in Ephesus, he says, wherefore, writing to the believers there, he said, wherefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus, uh, in the Lord Jesus and love unto all the saints. So he had heard that these folks in, in, in Ephesus, he heard of their faith in Jesus. So he, he heard of that. He knew they were born again. Okay. And then he goes on in verse 16. He said, after I heard that, I'll put it in my own words, after that I heard that you were born again, because that's the most important thing, <laughs> is that a person gets born again, that, they, that they've received Jesus. I mean, for real, really, for, they've, they've repented of their sins, they've received Jesus, they're following him. That's the most important thing that anybody could ever do. Uh, there's nothing else even comes close to that, is where are you going to spend eternity? Where is someone going to spend eternity? It, it comes down to what they do with the Lord Jesus Christ. Are you going to receive him or are you going to reject or neglect him? It comes down to that. So if, uh, but he had heard that they'd received Jesus. They'd had faith in him. So once he heard they were saved, then he says, cease not to give thanks for you. And uh, we'll talk about the prayer of thanksgiving uh, next week. But uh, he says, cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. So here you see he's interceding now for these people in Ephesus. He's already heard that they're born again. But now he says that he does not cease to give thanks for them, making mention of them in my, he says, making mention of you in my prayers. So he's talking to God about them. And now, now a guideline for praying for people 
Let's look at this. He'd heard that they were born again, as I said, but look at verse 17. Now, here's what he was praying for them. People have come to me and said, Pastor, when I pray for others, how should I pray? Well, he goes on here, speaking of a people that had already gotten saved. He says, he prays for them that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened. See that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. So once he heard that these people were saved, that they were going to miss hell and make heaven, then he interceded for them. He interceded, what does that mean? He prayed to God for them and, and asked God, asked the Heavenly Father in the name of the Lord Jesus, um, that he would give them the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him that the eyes of their understanding would be enlightened that they may know what that the eyes of their understanding would be enlightened and essentially what what he goes on to say that they would know what the will of God was for their life so when it comes down to being uh, someone that prays for others, this, these, these four verses here in Ephesians 1, verses 15 to 18, I think sum it up. First thing that should be on the agenda when you pray for somebody is, are they saved or are they not? Now, these people were saved. They were saved people. He, it says right here, he heard of their faith in the Lord Jesus. So they were born again. So there's no reason to pray about that because they're already saved. So once he knew they were already saved, then he prayed that, uh, uh, as we read here, that, uh, that, that God would give them the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him, that the eyes of their understanding would be enlightened and they, that they'd know the will of God for their life, what God wanted them to do. So when you pray for somebody, let me just say, sum it up and say it this way. First thing you need to do is you need to, to, to consider the question, is that person you're praying for saved? Are they saved? Do they, know, do they know Jesus? Now, if they are, then you don't have to pray about that. They're already saved. Then you pray the, 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 the rest of this, which I'll come back to in a moment. If they're not saved, people have asked me, well, if somebody's not saved, how should we pray for them? Pastor Terry, how should we pray for somebody if they're not saved? What, what should we do? Well, from my study of the Word of God and, and what I've observed over, over four decades of time, the, the best thing to do is if you know that somebody's not saved, I mean, there, there's no reason in praying these, the rest of this stuff for folks. If they're not saved, they need to get saved, all right? And so what I've told people, based on my study of the Word of God, see, it's very clear as you look in the New Testament that if somebody's not saved, it's very clear the devil has blinded their spiritual mind, their spiritual understanding. The devil's blinded them. The Bible's very clear. It says of those that believe not on the Lord Jesus Christ, that the devil has blinded them, spiritually blinded them. And so the first thing that spiritual blindness would need to be dealt with. And so what I've, what I tell people to do and what I've done is is I address that spiritual blindness. I speak to it. 
Now we've taught you along these lines in these previous sessions is known as the declaration of faith. And, and you make a faith declaration and you speak to that spiritual blindness. You take authority over it and, and, and you pull it down in Jesus name. Now, the thing you need to realize is that while we can speak to spiritual blindness, God will never violate someone's will. You see, so, so, I mean, you need to understand that we can't make people get saved. We can't make somebody get saved because it wouldn't that be wonderful if we could, but we can't make people do that, get saved because God won't violate the will of a human being. But what we can do is we can assist that person that's not saved by, by, by taking authority over that spiritual blindness. And, and that's what I have done. Over the years, that's what I've been, you know, told folks to do when they've asked me, you know, how should I pray for the lost? You know, speak to the spiritual blindness and command it to come down over whoever, whoever you're dealing with there, you know, that's, that's, that you're praying for that's not saved. Speak to that spiritual blindness that they're being blinded with and, and talk to it. You know, I speak to that spiritual blindness that's blind and so and so and I pull you down and break your authority in the name of Jesus. Now, you know, and so that would that would be a declaration of faith. It's not something that you ask the Father to do. We've taught you about this. Go back in previous sessions and, and review what I taught you about John 14 prayers and John 16 prayers, okay? And uh, this would be, a, uh, I believe this is John 14 prayer where you're making a demand. You're not, you're not asking God to do anything. You're speaking to that spiritual blindness in the name of Jesus. And you pull that down. You take authority over it. And once you've done that, then uh, you you ask the Father. Now you go to a John 16 prayer. You ask the Father in the name of Jesus to send the perfect laborer, if you, you call a perfect laborer, send a person uh, across that person that you're praying for. Ask that God would send somebody across their path to share the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ with them. Now, now I think if you'll do that, you'll you'll get better results in seeing people get saved uh, than, than than you would otherwise. Now, of course, we always ought to be going about our daily life sharing Jesus with people, and uh, and, and all of that certainly we should. And you could be the perfect laborer for somebody. And what I, when I say perfect labor, what I mean by that is you could be the person that God wants to use to share the gospel of Jesus with somebody that they might get saved, miss hell and make heaven, you see. Uh, and we ought to be doing that on a regular basis. But, but when it comes to praying for the lost, where I think you'll see the, the have the greatest success rate is if you'll, and so many people, they'll go, they'll go and I've watched it over four decades when they pray for, for the lost. So, oh God, oh God, oh, save so-and-so, oh, God, save so-and-so, oh, God, save so-and-so. You get no results. Remember, this series is all about helping you to become an effective prayer and asking God to save somebody. Oh, God, save so-and-so. That's an ineffective prayer. You're not going to get any results. God has done everything that he's going to do as it pertains to people's salvation. That's why he sent Jesus to the cross. 
okay, and, and, and he died on the cross, was buried and raised from the dead on the third day. God's done all he's going to do now. So he told, the, he told the disciples who were a representative group of you and me to go into all the world and preach the gospel. Now it's up to us to share the gospel with people. God has done his part, you know, now we, we need to do our part. What is our part? I'm convinced the first thing you do when you pray for somebody, if they're lost, is you, 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 you speak to, not to God, you speak to the spiritual blindness and you command it in Jesus' name to come down, to come out, to be broken off of those people's spiritual understanding. That's what I'd tell you to do. And then after you do that, then ask the Father. See, that was a John 14 prayer. Then you go to John 16 prayer. And then you ask the Father in the name of Jesus to send the, uh, uh, the, the, the person or people or whoever. It might be across that person you're praying for, across their path, across into their life, however you want to say it, to share Jesus with them. And I think if you'll do that, you'll see greater results in in, in, in praying for the lost. Now, again, you can't make people get saved, but you can do that. And I think if you do that, it'd be a great help to folk. Now, let me say something else about being the perfect laborer. I feel impressed that the Lord wants me to say this here. So I'll say it right here. While we ought to go about sharing the gospel with everyone, we have to realize that we are not the perfect laborer for everyone. And when I say perfect labor, what I mean by that is we have to realize we're not always the one that God is going to use to share Jesus with someone. And particularly, I might say, listen close now, particularly as it pertains to your family members. Okay, now, now, uh, and I say that because a lot of times, and I'll just speak in, uh, in my life, you see, now I got saved as a young boy, but before I, I got saved, uh, and even after I got saved, I was a I was an obnoxious little kid, and uh, I just was, and and so um, I, I guess I started to change about the time I don't know sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen years old. I I, I got to walking with the Lord, and he he began to. <laughs> to change my heart and I and I and I, I used to be haughty and prideful and boastful and and I trust I'm not that, that way anymore but but I was very obnoxious and so my family members you know uh they they saw me like that and and uh, uh and they as just in my situation as time goes on and as time went on see they they equate me to that obnoxious little kid and so uh, they're, they're, not, they're not always going to listen to me or they're not going to listen to me as it pertains to a whole lot of things because they see me as that obnoxious little kid. Now, I'm just telling you about my, my situation. And so as time went along, uh, I'm thinking about three family members right now, uh, three family members. Now, now, I'll start with my mom. Now, God used me as what, what I'd call the, the laborer for her life because I, I was able to take her, uh, uh, and, and I was able to get her to the Lord Jesus and, and, and she got saved. Thank God for it. And as I look back, she's in heaven now, but as I look back, 
I didn't see anybody else that was gonna gonna do that. Now, had I not been around, God is a whole lot bigger than me. He he could use people that you'd never think he'd use. But as I look into my life, God used me as as the laborer to 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 bring Jesus to my mom, and uh, and and thank God for it. But I'm thinking now of two other family members that uh, that uh, and actually. Uh, both of them, as they were, as they, now hear me all the way out on this, as they were facing death, okay, one, one goes back way, way on back when I was probably, oh, I'd say maybe in my, oh, I guess I was probably around, uh, I don't know, 28, 29, 30, 31, somewhere in there. I'm 60 years old now. Now, I don't know I don't look it. I know I don't look a day over 30. But, but, but I'm joking. But I just turned 60. But uh, back around, I don't know, when I guess was in my early 30s, I had a family member and, and I knew he was facing death. And I was going to go. He, he was up in years. He's facing death. And I was, gonna, I was headed to go uh, uh, share Jesus with him. And I was arrested of the Spirit of God. And, 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 you know, in the book of Acts, you can read where the Apostle Paul was, his group was going to go into a certain area and the, the, Holy, the Holy Spirit forbid them to go into that area. And, uh, and the Holy Spirit, and, and there's reason why, I can't get into that right now. Uh, later on, then the Lord did direct him, I believe, to go back in, or go into that area. But at, at that particular time, the Lord forbade Paul not to go into a certain area. Uh, you know, God can use other people. He didn't have to use the Apostle Paul all the time. And sometimes folks aren't ready, believe it or not, just aren't, they're not quite, they're, it's just not, it's just not the right time to go into a certain area. You need to be led. This, this, I tell you, being led is so important, led to the Spirit of God. But this, let's get back here to this family member I'm talking about when I, about 30 years ago, I was going to go share Jesus with him and I, and I was for, I was like forbidden of the Spirit of God. I didn't understand it at the time. But I prayed, like what I just told you, I came against that spiritual blindness and I asked the Heavenly Father to send someone across his path. And, uh, uh, and I didn't understand it at the time, but I came to see that I was not the perfect laborer for, for that family member. And, and, and quite possibly, see, see, I did more for that family member by praying like I just told you, come against that spiritual blindness, ask the Heavenly Father to send a perfect laborer across her path. I did more for that person by doing that than if I would have went with the gospel because that fella knew me as a smart mouthed little brat and it's 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 almost a hundred percent sure if I would have went in there where he was and shared the gospel with him he wouldn't have he would may well have discounted it just because it was me coming in uh sharing it with him. But then I did find out many years later that he had some people around him, close to him, that were believers that I wasn't sure I didn't know that till later. And see, God very likely could have used one of them to share Jesus. The point is, see, is, is I need to realize I was, I was a perfect laborer for, for him, you see. And, um, and, and so, um, be that as it may, I, I did more for him, I believe, by coming against that spiritual blindness and taking authority over that that he was blinded with and uh, asking the father to send a perfect labor across his path. And it's very likely, uh, from what I found out down the road, he, he very well may have gotten saved. I mean, there's, there's a chance of it that he did. But if I would have went in there, 
when I was going to go, it, it, it may, I, I just, it wouldn't, it wouldn't have been, I know it wouldn't have been good because, because the Holy Spirit forbade me to go. See, he had used somebody else. And then, and then as years came and, and went, I guess now it's been about 16 years ago, there's another family member of mine that I experienced the same, just this exact same, same thing, uh, with, uh, uh, they, they were gonna, gonna die. And uh, I was going to share Jesus with them, and I and I really I was a I, when you come right down to it, I I I just I I I remember as I stood in the hospital room with them, I just it, I I was I, but you see, there again, uh, I, at that time, see, we had already started the church. I remember on one Wednesday evening, we we had we we had church prayer. And in, uh, after service, I took some time in prayer at the end of a Wednesday night service, and we prayed for this individual, and, and we did corporate prayer. And, and in, agree, in agreement, we came against that spiritual blindness that this individual is blinded with, and uh, uh, that the devil blinds the minds of all those that don't believe. So we came against that spiritual blindness, and we asked the Father in agreement to send the perfect labor across this person's path. Now, you see, uh, had I gone in there, had I shared... I, because that person equated me with a with uh, with an unsavory individual, they I, you know I'm quite convinced. And sometimes it's just family members don't want to listen to other family members. A lot of times siblings don't want to listen to their siblings or whatever you know. And uh, but whatever the case, I'm quite convinced. If uh, it, because I think if I'd have been the perfect labor for him, the Holy Spirit wouldn't have forbade me. But 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 I did. I did something that was more effective for this person than if I had tried to get him saved myself. <laughs> you see, and God wants him saved more than I do. And so I, we came against that spiritual blindness and we prayed that the father would send the perfect labor across his path to minister Jesus to him in due season. And we believe that happened and, and trust that it did. But see, we need to be led. Now, don't misunderstand me. We always ought to be sharing Jesus with people. Absolutely. Uh, and this individual I talked to you about now, our, our church was always open to him. They could have come anytime they wanted. I was always open and available. But see, God doesn't always want to or use me or doesn't have to use me or you. He's got a whole bunch of people. Remember Elijah said, he said to God, he said, I'm the only one in Israel that hasn't bowed my knee to Baal. And God said, I've got 7,000 over here that, I, that haven't bowed their knee. So God's always got people. But we just need to know what to do. And so rather than, than, than trying to get everybody saved, particularly family members, pray like I, what I just said. I think it'll go, go a lot further down the road. Now, once somebody's saved, then you don't need to pray for their salvation. But notice here what you, you do do. Look here again at Ephesians 1, verse 17. After Paul knew that these people were saved, now he didn't have to pray about their salvation. But what did he pray? He prayed that the God, uh, 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 that, that the Heavenly Father, the Father of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, would give unto them the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of Him, that the eyes of their understanding would be enlightened. And that's what you pray for people that are already saved. You pray that the eyes of their understanding would be enlightened. Now, I'll just give you an example. I know of any number of people that are, uh, that are born again but they don't believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. 
So how would you pray for them? That the eyes of their understanding would be enlightened, that they'd see that the baptism in the Holy Spirit is still for today and still for them. I know of any number of people, they're born again, all right, they're going to heaven, but they don't believe in healing. They think healing's passed away and it's not for today. Well, I pray for them that the eyes of their understanding would be enlightened, you see. Uh, and they could see that healing's for them. I know of any number of people that they're born again, all right, they're going to heaven, but they think it's God's will for, for the Christian to be, to be impoverished and not, not be blessed financially. Well, I pray that the eyes of their understanding would be enlightened. Absolutely. Now, I'm pastoring a church for, for almost three decades, you know, like, like in, on the subject of tithing. I never one time, not one time, did I ever try to convince anybody to become a tither, be a tither. I, I almost never, never spoke about giving. I, I just never, I just, I, 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 I taught on it periodically. We'd receive an offering at every service, service with no pressure. And, uh, you know, I, I that's just how we ran it. And uh, that's how the Lord wanted me to run it. That's how I ran it. And in thir- almost 30 years, there was not never one financial uh, need that we ever had that went unmet. It was always met and abundantly met on, uh, on top of, we always had more, more than enough. Glory to God. But what did I pray? I didn't try to convince people to tithe. I teach on it periodically. And then I prayed that the eyes of their understanding would be enlightened, that they'd be able to see that tithing was the will of God for them. See? And so that's how you pray for people who are, who are already saved or are, are, are a major way, not the only way, but a major way that you pray is you pray that the eyes of their, their understanding would be enlightened on whatever on whatever subject it might be in line with the word of God. Now, that right there will take you a long way down the road uh, when it comes to praying for other people. Now, uh, with that in mind, let us uh, let me say this to you. So we're going to look at some more things here as it pertains to the prayer of intercession. But often, now don't forget, I told you this before, but I want to say it again. Often these these different kinds of prayer that we've been talking about overlap with one another. So uh, let's look at the church praying for Peter, the apostle Peter, to be released from prison. So see, Peter wound up in prison, and now the church is going to gather in corporate or united prayer, prayer of agreement, and they're going to pray for Peter, which is intercessory prayer. So you see how we have corporate or the prayer of agreement, that's one kind of prayer, uh, coming together and overlapping with intercessory prayer as they pray for Peter. And, uh, and, and, and let me just, I, I think we ought to just take a moment how important it is to be in agreement, to be part of a church that, uh, that the church is of like precious faith, that, that, that the bulk of the believers, and it'd be nice if you could get them all. I pastored 27 years in a, in a local church setting, and I never could get everybody in agreement with, we got most everybody in agreement most of the time on most of the things, not, never got a hundred percent of it, but that's just my experience. But, but it's important to be in agreement. Remember, remember every time we get somebody in agreement, we taught you in a previous session, you get 10 times stronger spiritually. And, and just let's take a moment here before we get into the church praying for Peter to be released from prison. In Acts one fourteen, Acts one fourteen, speaking of this church in Jerusalem, it says these all continued. Well, it would become that it would become the church in Jerusalem, but uh, it was that that group, you know, 
in the upper room that eventually got filled with the Holy Spirit. But notice here in Acts 1.14, these all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication. One accord. See, they're in one accord. Agreement. And we could have actually shared these verses with you when we talked about the prayer of agreement, but we'll share them here because the church is getting ready to pray for Peter. And it's important that you're in agreement Look at Acts 2 verse 1. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. They're still, they're in agreement. This church here in Jerusalem. And then as you move on down the road a little further, Acts 2 verse 46. So they continuing daily with one accord in the temple. One accord. See, they're, they're, they're in agreement, in agreement. So it's important to be hooked up with a church and, and, and the church obviously needs to be, one of the functions of the church is to, to, to pray, okay? And, uh, and so they'd get together and, they, and, and they'd pray. Absolutely. There's many functions of a local church. Uh, one of the functions is prayer. And I could give you a whole list of what the functions of the local church are, but one of them is prayer. And uh, be sure you're going to a church where there's a, where there's a, you know, where they, they consider prayer to be important. And, um, and, and they were all with one accord. And then if you'll go to Acts, the 12th chapter, in the process of time, Peter winds up in prison. And if you look at Acts 12, verse 5, Peter was therefore kept in prison. Now you can read up above this in your Bible and find out the circumstances and what happened to put him there. But he wound up in prison. But notice what happened here. Constant prayer, underline that, constant prayer, highlighted or something in your Bible, constant prayer was offered to God for him by the church. Well, see, this is intercessory prayer. They're going to be praying for Peter. It's corporate prayer. It's a church getting together together getting together together, corporate prayer, okay? United prayer, corporate prayer. They're going to be praying in agreement, okay? So much spiritual power there. They're praying in agreement. And constant prayer was offered to God, was offered to God for him, for Peter, by the church. And so this was a John 16 kind of a prayer, where this church congregation came together in agreement before the Heavenly Father and they, they directed their prayer to the Heavenly Father in the name of the Lord Jesus. Okay? To, and, and, uh, and so John 16, and if you don't know what I mean again by John 16 prayer and John 14 prayer, go back in our archives over the last several weeks where I covered it and it'll be helpful to you. But, uh, but anyway, so they're, they're, they're asking the Father in the name of Jesus to do something on behalf of Peter who is in prison. And it says constant prayer, constant prayer. Now remember, I did share this verse with you earlier uh, in one of the previous sessions, but it bears repetition. Remember James 5.16, James 5.16, part of that verse said, the effective fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Okay. All right. And, uh, and, and the Amplified Classic puts it this way. The earnest, heartfelt, continued prayer of a righteous man makes tremendous power, power available, dynamic in its working. And so 
you have this church together in agreement, praying to the Heavenly Father in the name of Jesus on behalf of, uh, on behalf of Peter, who is in prison. Uh, you know, prayer, this, this constant prayer, this effectual prayer, actually, if you look over there in the book of James, you could hold your place here in Acts 12, but over in the book of James, this verse I just quoted, James 5.16, about the effective fervent prayer of a righteous uh, uh, person avails much. Actually, that's being uh, talked about there in the context of Elijah. He was an Old Testament prophet. And you remember he he prayed. It's interesting. He prayed and it didn't rain for three and a half years. And then at the end of that three and a half years, he prayed again and it, and, and, and it, and it did rain. It's interesting. And it makes, it makes reference there that Elijah was a person with, with, uh, uh, he was, he was a human being just like you or me. And, and I believe the Bible makes that reference there about him being human just like you or me because a lot of times we get this idea, well, Elijah could pray something and God would honor it because it was Elijah, but God wouldn't honor it if it was me. Well, he was human just like you. And, and you know, when, when, when he prayed that it wouldn't rain. Now, let, now I think a good point here to make, I made it earlier, but I want to make it again earlier in the, uh, so, several sessions back, but I want to say it again. You have to be praying in line with the word of God. And in line with the will of God to have effective prayer. And, and Elijah, there's no question in my heart that he, obviously, it's 100% clear, he knew it was the will of God for there to be a drought on the land. And that's essentially what he called for, a drought on the land. And he prayed, the Bible said here in the book of James, that he prayed earnestly, this heartfelt prayer, that it wouldn't rain. And it didn't rain for three and a half years. Now, if that hadn't have been the will of God, now, now listen carefully. If that hadn't have been the will of God, he could have prayed till he was blue in the face that it wouldn't rain. And, and guess what? It would have kept right on raining. Just, just the, the, the natural course of nature would have went right on. But he was praying in line with the will of God. And so, so our prayers are powerful. And the reason I'm saying this is I, I want to do a, just a point of review here. Our prayers are powerful. Uh, and they'll be effective if we pray in line with the will of God. What's the will of God? The word of God. And Elijah prayed that it wouldn't rain. And, and it didn't rain. Three and a half years he prayed again and it did rain. But both in both instances, it, he was praying in line with the will of God. Now let me say something else to you that is a point of, of, of uh, review. But I think it's needful here to, you know, repetition's a seed of learning. Why didn't God just declare, you know, uh, uh, why didn't he just declare him? Or why didn't he just cut the rain off? Why did Elijah have to pray that it wouldn't rain for three and a half years? Why, why couldn't God just cut it off? Why couldn't God just cut, cut the rain off? Why couldn't he just cut it off? And then when the three and a half years was over, why couldn't he just turn the, turn the rain spigots of heaven back on? Why did Elijah have to pray? Well, remember we told you in an earlier session that it seems because of the way God set the authority structure of this earth up that that he'll only move in this earth or, or, or his actions, put it this way, his actions in this earth depend greatly on the avenues human beings afford to God through prayer. 
Our prayers are so important. Our prayers are so important because our prayers, because of the way God set the authority structure of this earth up, our prayers, it would seem to me that, that God will only move in this earth, you know, on avenues whereby we've afforded him to do so through prayer. Now, God is sovereign. God is all powerful. Yes. But because of the way he set things up, it would seem that, that, that God requires our prayers to give him avenues to move in this earth. That's why intercessory prayer is so important because when we pray, we give God an avenue to move and function in this earth. Now, it has to do with the authority structure of the earth, the way he set it up. You'd have to go back into the Garden of Eden and look at what he, the way he set it up, the way he gave it, the authority he gave to Adam and so forth and so on. And I could preach a couple hours on that, but just for the sake of, of, of this series right here, it, our prayers are so important. It is so important that we pray for other people because, because it, it, it gives God or affords God avenues to move in their lives whereby he would otherwise perhaps be hindered. Oh, dear friends, get a hold of this. Please get a hold of this. Say, well, why couldn't God just, like back with Elijah and, the, and that drought that came on the land, why couldn't God just cut, cut, the, cut the water off, you know, in three and a half years, turn it back on, the, the rain? Well, why did Elijah have to pray? Why did he have to do that? Why did he have to pray that it start raining? Why did he have to pray... Uh, why did he have to pray that it would stop raining? And then why did he have to pray that it would start again three and a half years later? Why? Why did he have to do that? Why couldn't God just, you know, in his sovereign, almighty power, just do it? Well, God is sovereign. He's almighty. But there again, it was God's will for their, you know, for there to a drought come. Now, obviously, it would have been better if, if the people of God would have been serving God and there wouldn't have had to have been a drought, but they weren't. And so that was part of the judgment and so forth. I, I don't want to get into all that. But, but at that point, that's what the judgment was there. And the people wouldn't repent and God was calling for a drought. So Elijah, this righteous man who was, who was a saved man living right before God, he, he, he prayed that it would not rain, and then that afforded God the 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 avenue by which to bring you know, shut the rain off. And then three and a half years later, Elijah prayed again, in line with the will of God, being led by the Spirit of God. No doubt, it was time for for the drought to be over. And Elijah then prayed, and that afforded God that avenue to turn the turn the rain back on. But but, but the thing you need to take away from this is be a righteous person. Be born again and live right before God and know this, that, that you need to be praying for people. Be led by the Spirit and pray in line with the Word of God for people because they need your prayers. It affords God avenues to move in their life whereby He otherwise might not be able to move. Oh, it's important to pray. It's important to pray for yourself. We covered that in a, in a previous session. The prayer of petition gives God the avenue to move in your life. Absolutely. And then, of course, for others. And, uh, so, so Peter's in prison and, uh, and it's clearly the will of God for him to be released. But prayer must be made by the church. And it was. Why? Because it's going to give God the avenue whereby to move in there and get him out. Absolutely. And so Peter's in prison. Acts 12, verse 5. 
constant prayer, constant prayer, this effectual, fervent prayer is offered to God for Peter by the church. Now look at verse 6, Acts 12, 6. And when Herod was about to bring him out, that night Peter was sleeping, bound with two chains between two soldiers, and the guards before the door were keeping the prison. So Peter's locked in there tight. Now behold, an angel, an angel of the Lord stood by and uh, stood by him, by Peter, and a light shone in the prison. And he struck Peter on the side and raised him up, saying, Arise quickly. And his chains fell off his hands. Then the angel said to him, Gird yourself and tie on your sandals or put your shoes on. And so he did. And he said to him, put on your garment and follow me. So he went out and followed him, followed the angel, uh, and did not know uh, that what was done by the angel was real, but thought he was seeing a vision. When uh, they were past the first and second guard posts, they came to the iron gate that leads to the city, which opened to them of its own accord. Oh boy, think about that. Ah, that, door, that, 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 that door opens up and there ain't nobody opening it. Oh boy, I tell you what, think about that. Well, it was an angel. I mean, maybe it was another angel, but it opened, glory to God, opened of its own accord. Whew, my goodness. And they, Peter and the angel, went out, went down the street. Immediately the angel departed from him. So you see, the church was offering constant prayer, fervent prayer, effectual prayer, effectual prayer to God, no doubt praying to the Father, in agreement, in the name of Jesus, it was effective, and uh, and now it affords God the avenue to move on behalf of Peter. Glory to God. And something else I might add. Do you know there's angels? There really are. I think I might teach a series on angels somewhere down the road. But uh, uh, but uh, maybe talk about angels and demons. But angels, oh, angels are, oh my goodness, they're real. They are real. They're powerful, mighty beings of almighty God. I tell you what. And, uh, and, and, and they're active in the earth today. And everybody's been assigned at least one angel when they're, when they're conceived in their mother's womb. I'm convinced of that. And I tell you, angels, thank God for the angels of God. And, and I tell you what, I see the prayers of the church, uh, causing angelic activity to go into motion, no doubt at the direction of God, the Heavenly Father. And so see, our prayers are so important to, 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 you know, I, I tell you what, I know from my mother, as, as she got up in years or whatnot, I mean, I, I, and the Bible says that the angels hearken to the word of God. And I would declare the word of God over my mom. And, 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 and I would, I would, would, uh, the way I put it in the words I put it is I would just charge the angels, not command them or speak disrespectfully to them, but I'd, I'd, I'd put the word of God out there, charge them with the word of God as it pertained to my mother to keep her safe i tell you what they did too they they sure did and, and i'll do this with myself i do it i do it with my wife when she's out and about you know I, what I, I do two things I'll, I'll ask the heavenly father in the name of the lord jesus that his hand of protection would be upon her and uh, I, I i declare the word of god over over her and, and I, I talk to her angel and i talk to the angels of god assigned unto her 
to keep her safe in all of her ways. Glory to God, according to the book of Psalms. Praise God. I tell you what, it's important. It's important that you do that. And, uh, and, and I've done that for years as it pertains to me and my mother, my wife and, and others and praise God. And, uh, and so the church is together. They're praying to God and we see angels gone into operation. No doubt, hundred percent sure at the direction of the heavenly father. Glory to God. Praise God because they hearken to the word of God. So then anyway, so the angel <laughs> breaks him out of prison. Glory to God. And then they depart. The angel goes off in verse 11. And when Peter had come to himself, he said, Now I know for certain that the Lord has sent his angel. See, the Lord sent his angel and has delivered me from the hand of Herod and from all the expectation of the Jewish people. You know, and so when he had uh, uh, considered this, he came to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose surname was Mark, where many were gathered together praying. That's where the church was meeting. That's where they were praying. So Peter shows up and here's the answer to these people's prayer. And as Peter knocked at the door of the gate, a girl named, so now their answer, they've been praying to the heavenly father for Peter to be released from prison. God answered their prayer. God answers prayer. He answered their prayer. Just think if they hadn't have been praying. Now think if they hadn't have been praying. Now you think about it. Think if they hadn't have been praying or think if they hadn't have been praying effectively. Come on now, think about it. We know they were praying effectively because they got results. But just think if they hadn't been praying at all. Think about what would have happened to Peter. He might likely would have wound up like James. You know, you read in the book of Acts, he was, he was put to death. But, uh, uh, but but the, the church was making constant, effectual, fervent prayer for Peter. Thank God that they were. Think if they hadn't have been, Peter would have been toasted right there, likely. But they were praying. And God sent his angel. And now the answer to their prayers knocking on, on the gate. Glory to God. And uh, And the girl named Rhoda came to answer. She recognized Peter's voice. Because of her gladness, she did not open the door, but ran in and announced that Peter stood before the gate. But they said to her, you are beside yourself. I always find this humorous. You know, the answer to their prayer is knocking on the gate, knocking on the door. And, uh, and, and, and the girl comes and tells them and they say, you're out of your crazy. You're out of your mind. It, what does that show? They're just as human. Those people back there in that church are just as human as you and me. Okay, now they're praying, they're praying in faith, they're believing God, they're doing everything they know to do to pray effective prayer, and the God answers their prayer, and, and they're, they're, they're astonished with it. And I've, I've been just like them, and you probably have too, they're just like you and me. No different than you or me, okay? <laughs> You're praying in faith, can't, and then the answer shows up, can't believe God answered my prayer. <laughs> I can't explain all that, Is, aren't you glad God's good and he, he's just good. So anyway, when we're, when our humanity shows, he still loves us. But anyway, uh, they, they prayed effectively. Uh, that avenue was afforded to God to move and his angel came, released Peter. The answer's knocking at the door and they're astonished. They're just as human as you or me. But, uh, they said, you're beside yourself. You're out of your mind. You're crazy. But, uh, she kept insisting that it was so. So and then they, then they still didn't believe her. They said, well, it must be his angel. <laughs> 
they must be his angel. You know, maybe, you see, this may back up that as they prayed, they, they may well have been aware of angelic activity. They may have been calling on God for angelic and angelic activity to go in into operation here as it pertains to Peter. I, I don't know specifically what they prayed other than they prayed for Peter as it pertained to him being released from prison. They thought it was his angel. Anyway, uh, but uh, but they're just as human as you're me. <laughs> Praying in faith, yet the answer shows up. They can't believe they got their answer, but you're just as human as you or me. But nonetheless, they got their prayer answered. Prayer is important. Thank God they were praying. What if they hadn't have been or what if they'd have been praying ineffectively? And uh, But Peter keeps knocking. And when they opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. Again, they're just as human as you or me. Well, anyway, thank God that we can pray for people. Glory to God. And let us always be mindful of the importance of intercessory prayer, praying for others, because as I've said, I believe it it, it gives God, because of the way he set the authority structure of this, this earth up, it, it affords God the opportunity, the avenues by which he can come in and uh, get involved in, in the lives of people that we pray for, okay? So pray, be, be somebody who prays for others. Don't just be praying for yourself all the time, but pray for others. Be someone who prays prayers of intercession and praying for other people, okay? Now, I'll say this and then I'll close. Uh, there's an aspect of this intercessory prayer. I mentioned it earlier in this message. I'll close by saying this. Uh, there, there's, there's a flow of this that takes place in the spirit, in other tongues. And, 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 and I tell you what, it's a powerful thing. It's an awesome thing. It's a very valuable thing. It's a vital thing. And so in a couple of weeks, when I talk about praying in the spirit, I'll come back and revisit this topic about praying. There's one thing, praying for other people in your understanding, like in English. But I tell you what, sometimes, have you ever gotten in your life where you're praying for somebody and you get to the end and there's no, you don't know what else to pray? Or you face a situation where you just really, right at the beginning, don't know how to pray, pray for it? I mean, you just... Well, I tell you what, thank God for the Holy Spirit and, and, and for the, for His ministry of intercession is He'll intercede through us in other tongues for people according to the will of the Heavenly Father. I'll talk about that along with many other things as it pertains to praying in the Spirit in a couple of weeks. Anyway, hey, hope you enjoyed this today. Hope it was helpful to you and a, and a benefit to you. And, uh, hey, if you're out there and you don't know Jesus as your Savior, listen, there's a heaven to gain. There's a hell to shun. The only way to miss hell and make heaven when you die is to repent of your sins, receive Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, invite him into your heart just like you'd invite somebody into your house. Call on his name. The Bible says whoever calls on the name of the Lord Jesus will be saved. And then serve him the rest of your life. I tell you what, if you'll do that, one day you'll miss hell and you'll make heaven when you die. I tell you what, you don't want to go to hell. You want to go to heaven. How do you do that? Receive Jesus Christ as your Savior. And again, remember Israel. Remember uh, the Jews. Remember, uh, uh, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Intercede for them. They, they need your prayers particularly at this time, okay? So do that, and uh, I will see you again next week, right back here. And uh, when I was a kid, I've always wanted to say this, when I was a kid, I used to watch Batman, only it wasn't that dark Batman, you know, that that, the dark, the darker comic book stuff. It was that funny, the comedy one back in the the 60s. 
And uh, it was in the 60s, you know, with Adam West and Burt Ward and, and Alfred the Butler. And, and it was a, it was like a, a comedy. And it was it was pretty funny. And at the end of each uh, episode, they would say, you know, come back. We'll be back next week. Same bat time, same bat station. <laughs> I've always wanted to say that. <laughs> So I'll be back next week, same, I don't want to say same bat time, same bat station, that almost sounds demonic, but I'll be, okay, I'll be back next week, same time, same place, same station, and, uh, and, and well, you got to have a little fun as you go, try to make you laugh there at the end, the Bible says a merry heart does good like a medicine, sometimes when, when things look bleak, you just need to, just need to have a, have a little laugh, so hey, God bless you, we'll see you next week. And we'll talk about the prayer of Thanksgiving. Bye-bye.